0: Welcome to The Winnow, a podcast about dining in the South and beyond. I'm Hannah Raskin, food editor at The Post and Courier. My
1: name is Dave Infante. I'm the food reporter here at The Post and Courier.
0: And Dave, this week you have been reporting about...
1: Seltzer. Hard seltzer. I
0: want to hear all about it.
1: I don't know if... Can we... Is that a tagline that I can keep using? It's hard seltzer. Sure. Uh, yeah. Can we put I mean, a no, sound... Right. Can we put a soundboard? How does that work? <laughs> um, I can... I'll work something up. <laughs> Alright, really well, regardless. So, uh, like,
0: every time he tells a joke, instead of, like, you know, yeah, laughter, right. it's gonna be, okay,
1: Instead gotcha. of, like, the... It's <laughs> gonna yeah, be, like, right. hard seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, non- right. nevertheless, uh, yeah, so... Uh, as you as you mentioned I've been reporting out a story about hard seltzer here in Charleston uh, in the low country um, as you maybe know I think you do we've talked a little bit before about white claw and truly and some of those brands that are national um, they're they're red hot they're They've been selling enormous quantities of hard seltzer uh, for the past few years, but especially um, in 2019, they've really blown up.
0: Can I ask a question? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. So are most of the, are they mostly buying plain? Like, all, my only seltzer experience is, like, La Croix. So, is it the same deal? Do you buy, f- or are there I don't. You know, I
1: don't know that there's actually <laughs> a plain uh, hard seltzer. Emery, you might know better than I No, do. that tastes like ass, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, like, so mm, it's all fruity? This is the ass-flavored seltzer. Yeah. <laughs> Um yeah I mean the the uh, the general idea for anyone who's not familiar with with like hard Maine. seltzer as a as a beverage um is That it is um, a carbonated malt beverage, and it's usually um, flavored with uh, either a citrus or a berry, uh, or sometimes, uh, I think there might be a kiwi in some brands.
0: Have they gone wacky and wild? Like, can you get chicken and waffles?
1: No, they haven't gone for the savory. I don't think there's a savory hard seltzer available. I haven't seen that. Yeah, but yeah, never never say never. (laughs) Uh, It's it's certainly... I mean, I would expect that eventually we're going to see all sorts of weird shit. Right. But... Uh, But yeah, no, for now, like, they're all, like, all fruit... Pumpkin spice. Base. No, no pumpkin spice. Although that's not a bad question. Yeah. The a little while ago, Natural Light um released a product called Natural Latte. Um, which was, if I remember correctly, it was just natural light in a rebranded can. It was not actually a hard coffee beverage. Um, <laughs> however, hard coffee is a thing that's coming on. Um, whatever, man.
0: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let, let me get you. So first of all, you're saying regular natty light, like what you would buy a case of that's in college. Right. Yeah. And they called it.
1: They called it natural, natural latte. latte. Day, but yeah, it was yeah. the same
0: thing inside the camp. Yeah, exactly. Smart. Yeah, okay. No, it, <laughs> yeah. And they were like sort of like riffing it. on
1: apparently the youths these days. That's, sure. Uh, that's what they call it. And so, um, you know, these big brands are very, very right. savvy. Right. And they have their finger on the pulse. Uh, and they, they wheeled out natural latte. And apparently it was quite popular. Okay. Uh, but
0: no coffee flavored hard seltzer. All fruits. I, I, I
1: found there's something. Bush makes a pumpkin spice latte seltzer. Oh, my God. God.
0: And is it actually that, or is it just what's the label on the can? I would guess I it's mean, actually that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think so. I too. mean,
1: pumpkin spice latte, or, or yeah, is like an abomination yeah. anyway. Oh. But it's all just like a con- concoction of flavoring. So I'm sure it's not that hard to turn it into a seltzer. So is there 17% a- ABV by the way? What? Comes. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Wait, that's insane. <laughs>
1: I didn't is it a real thing?
0: <laughs> yeah, but probably no one can finish a can of that anyhow.
1: Uh, you're not hanging out downtown, man. <laughs> like uh, People will definitely drink those. That sounds dangerous. That sounds bad. All right, wait. We're way off the rails. Yeah. I am so but, sorry. We've I all t- been t- drinking hard seltzer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I t- the reason I think it in this direction is, is there a flavor that's most popular? Like.
1: Um, I mean, I think with the big brands, mm-hmm. um, people tend to go for the multi-packs. So, oh. it, yeah, the variety packs. Gotcha. I don't know, and again, this shows my age because I'm not the target demographic here, but... Um, I don't know, like, which is the most popular of the multi-pack. But it Mi- doesn't
0: matter. It's like buying M&M's. Yeah, um, kind you know. of. Although no one likes the
1: blue ones. Presumably right. there's a flavor of, of White Claw that no one likes. Got but uh, I don't know it, and I'm happy to not know it, because this story was not really about White Claw. I am so
0: sorry. No, totally it's okay. <laughs> I mean, this is
1: what hard seltzer does to people. It yeah, just, you know, it's very crazy. disorienting. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, yeah. So this story was about um, craft brewers in the Lowcountry who have seen this national trend and seen how popular these malt beverages are in the local bars uh, and have decided to try to participate in this trend by giving people a local craft version of that hard seltzer beverage.
0: And as you wrote in your story, this isn't every brewery. Some breweries said they weren't doing it. Do you think they really aren't doing it or are they just being coy? Uh, It's
1: hard to say. I think that there will probably be some of the more like purist uh brewers in the in the city that just won't touch it. Uh mm-hmm. that would be my guess. Um like the Edmonds Oasts and the West Brooks of the world, Charlestown Fermentory. I have a hard time envisioning those those brewers uh make a hard seltzer. I don't think it's um you know a, As with everything, it's never say never in the beverage industry, but it it seems a little bit more far-fetched. Then again, um, Ryan Coker and uh, Revelry uh, just came home from the Great American Beer Festival, um, which happened earlier in October. It's sort of like the biggest awards ceremony for the craft beer world. They just came home with a gold medal, which is their third gold medal overall, their fourth medal in five years. They also won a gold medal at the World Beer Cup last year. They are undeniably a very strong... Uh, proficient, um, or technically proficient brewery. So, it, and they have brewed a hard seltzer before. Um, and Ryan and I were talking a little bit, uh, exchanging emails about, um, you know, his his sort of ambivalence towards the, the genre. But it's not, yeah, it's not everyone. Um, it seems like there's about a half dozen or so that have leaned into it. Um, and it's relatively small volumes. I mean, it's not with the exception of Twist, which we'll talk about, uh, it, no one is packaging these things. So no one's really competing directly with White Claw. They're not putting it in cans and they're not trying to get it sold by the palate to like Uptown Social or something, you know?
0: Right. It sounds like it, it It makes sense to have an, in the tap rooms, right? Because you said it was an alternative. I that... th-
1: yeah, I think that's right. So a lot of what I was hearing from the brewers was that it, like, it checks a couple boxes that Beer is not often able to, um, and there's a couple reasons that they wanted in the tap rooms. Uh, one is it's gluten free. Um, most of these products can very easily be made gluten free. Um, so, you know, anyone who comes in with their friends to a brewery and doesn't have an option uh, to you know, drink a beer, this is a ready alternative for them. Um, it's low calorie um, or tends to be. Again, I'm generalizing for the whole genre, but these tend to be true. Emery, yes? Sorry to interrupt that. <laughs> I, I got to sneak a correction in. Please. Um, that, that Bush thing was actually an elaborate joke. Oh, oh I, wow. I should, I should have read farther before sharing it. Sorry. We've been hoaxed. Yeah, wow. we've been hoaxed. But we've just been de-hoaxed. Right. yeah Perfect. Yeah. The Real hoaxing news, yeah. is no more. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, that's sorry about that. <laughs> that. makes me feel a little bit better, though, because that was that, 17% alcohol by volume. That, you, yeah. that, yeah, that should have, well, I should Well, uh, let one. me
0: get back to that 17% alcohol. So, um so hard seltzer, despite the name, is brewed as opposed to distilled, right? Yeah. So it's under the same license. Can you explain? I don't even know how a hard seltzer comes to be.
1: Yeah, so that's a good question. And there's a misconception with hard seltzers that they are like vodka soda in a can mm-hmm. um, they are not this is a malt- oh
0: people think it's like the two mixed together yeah the way people basically to it's yeah, yeah. like red and white wine exactly in a glass.
1: yeah um, and so this is not that hard seltzers are not that um, and the hard in the name is sort of misleading uh, for that reason. But hard seltzers are a malt beverage, which means they're brewed from um, grain. It's grain that's fermented, and it is turned into uh, what they call a malt alternative or a you know a malt beverage that's not a beer. Um, you uh, you brew it the same, close to the same way you brew beers. Talking through the technicalities with uh, with several brewers in the area, and they said the biggest challenge with with brewing it and making it uh, making it viable to sell is. Is brewing it clear? Obviously, if you're brewing a beer, like you're going for a color, but it's not supposed to be crystal clear. Um, Whereas with seltzer, impurities like will make it look cloudy, which will kind of make it look gross. And Mm -hmm. so that was a big challenge for them. But um, really, the way it's you know, without getting too far into the weeds, because you know, it's not not worth it to do that on podcast. And also, I'm not like I don't have a the strongest technical grasp of how they're doing this, but um, they're brewing it with. Very little actual grain, mostly sugar. Um, Yeast typically eats the sugar that's found in the malted grain. So Mm -hmm. if you just feed it sugar instead, it's going to eat that Mm because that's what it's going for anyway. Um, A little bit of grain, which makes it legal in Mm -hmm. South Carolina um, because otherwise you wouldn't be able to brew and sell this stuff. Um, And you, I don't know, man, you like, you brew it the same, like it goes through mostly the same process for beer and then- you hopefully it comes out clear and you serve it um but the distinction is that um because it's a malt beverage it can be um you know marketed as that which means that if you are going to sell it it gets taxed at you know in packages it gets taxed at the same rate as beer does rather than um what a alcoholic beverage would which would be a good deal more right um uh, liquor beverage i mean and at the same time because of the positioning of the those products in the market, the hard seltzers, it's actually, uh, it can command like a pretty good price point. And so it's really attractive from that perspective. Mm-hmm. It's also happens to be relatively cheap compared to a lot of the more involved beer styles to just brew. Sugar. Exactly. It's just sugar and water and, and yeast and, uh, you know, a little bit of grain here or there and yeah. then some natural flavoring, um, which makes it... You know, uh, no one was willing to share um, ingredient costs, which is not surprising, but um, Rusty, Bull, the folks at Rusty Bull were willing to allow that it was on the cheaper end of the spectrum for anything they brewed, um, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, it just doesn't require a lot of ingredients.
0: Did brewers take a financial hit when hoppy beers became popular?
1: Um, I can't say whether they did locally or not, but certainly, I mean, the margins on like, uh, you know, a big hop forward, fresh hopped, whatever... Um, IPA um, will be way way tighter right. uh, than on um, a lot of the more straightforward beer styles so uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of push um, push and pull around like securing ingredients and the cost of ingredients went up quite a bit which mm-hmm. obviously hit the margins so um, that was a business challenge that I think a lot of Brewers were facing um, a few years ago mm-hmm. it seems to have sort of shaken itself out but mm-hmm. certainly um, hard seltzers are, uh, really on the other end of the spectrum, really right. like quite cheap. Because I'm sure
0: like. the hop supply has gone up in the interim as well. So, like. Yeah,
1: sort of. Although as with uh, as with everything else in this world, it's affected by climate change. Yep. Yeah, which is yeah. so hops are very peculiar plants and only grow um, in very specific latitudes. Uh, mm-hmm. And those latitudes um, in the U.S., like Washington State, for example, is the perfect sort of environment for it. Um, there's also South Africa has a very good environment for it. but um, as,
0: In the 19th century, upstate New York was a was hops hopped. Was a hops uh, hopped? A hops hop so, yep.
1: See, there you go. I yep. mean, there's some hops production in upstate New York, but not nearly as much as it sounds like there might have been. Um, so we're seeing that change. And yet yeah, also as the big brewing conglomerates buy up hop farms, mm-hmm. um, they actually start controlling the uh, the supply of the of the crucial ingredient, so there's some intrigue there. Right. Luckily, if you're brewing a hard seltzer, you don't have to worry about any. That's totally off topic yeah. <laughs> again. <Okay. laughs>
0: no, that's hops all right. Are not applicable. Okay. Yeah. No hops. No, no hops. hops in
1: the hard seltzer. Right. Um, although I think there's one or two. Not <laughs> not in Charleston. That's dry hopping hard seltzer. But yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah. So uh, you know we have uh probably about a half dozen brewers in the Low Country that are brewing hard seltzers and. You know, one of the other things that helps, or one of the other reasons that uh, it helps out for some of them is these are small brewers. You know, like they're not brewing a lot of stuff. They don't have a lot of, um, you know, infrastructure to to bring people into the breweries. Like they're not marketing more often than not. Um, And in the case of Ghost Monkey, like they don't have a dhec approved kitchen, so because of that, they're limited in what they're able to sell on premise Mm -hmm. to only their stuff. So even if they wanted to, they couldn't purchase you know, White Claw and sell it in their tap room for people who needed a gluten-free option. They are, it's incumbent on them to brew something themselves that checks that box. And so-
0: Or pour them a glass of water. Or pour them a glass of water, but <laughs> can't I mean, charge
1: a lot for right, it, Right, and yeah. also, yeah, you can't charge a lot for it. And also, who wants to be, like, with a group of friends and, right. you know, you would typically order a wine or a mixed drink or something, mm-hmm. but if that's not available, you don't want to be the only person at a brewery not drinking. That's no fun. Right. Um, and so Jim Leonard, who's the, the brewer over there- Told me that this was actually a really good way for them to be able to serve that customer a little bit better and and make it a little bit more of a hangout. Place. But
0: all of these things that make it sound like it's a win-win-win-win-win, uh, there's still there were some philosophical hangups, right? There were some, or at least uh, hesitation on the part of some of the brewers you spoke to.
1: Yeah, I think um, you know Ryan Coker was the one who articulated it the best, which is he's just like I just have an internal struggle about it. Um, he was. He just doesn't see it as a challenging, um or a technically challenging or or particularly artful really um you know, ch- uh, like beverage to brew. Um other brewers were a little bit more uh a little bit more interested in it. In, uh both Chris Brown over at Holy City and then uh the the guys Ben and Brian at um that rusty bull used the term intrigue. So they, they really like said that they were fascinated by this challenge of like trying to figure out how white claw was doing it and then to try to like reverse engineer it and do it better. So I think it varies. Um, I spoke with Hank Hanna up at common house and um, he played his cards close to the vest and was sort of like giving me the never say never type of thing. Um, But my sense is that um, they've sort of been, you know, some of these brewers that are, a little bit more um, intent on success as specifically as beer brewers have been watching um, uh, and keeping hard seltzer at an arm's length because they're not quite sure if, if it fits their brand
0: right right, right. but twist is all in oh twist
1: <laughs> so twist that is not a mispronunciation that's T W I S P not T uh, anyone who missed this story when was it? Jeez, I'm blanking. Oh, I don't know. A couple of weeks ago, week ago, I don't know. It's all running More together. than a week ago. Yeah. Anyway, uh I'll start again. Twisp. That's T W I S P. What not does it mean? T What does it mean, man? I don't know. Actually. <laughs> uh that's one question that I didn't ask uh owner Billy Pyatt of Catawba Valley Brewing Company, but uh Twisp is Catawba Valley Brewing Company's new uh brand of hard seltzers inspired by uh, cocktail flavoring uh, and for anyone who's not familiar of like the lineage of area breweries Catawba Valley Brewing Company is the holding company that owns uh, Palmetto uh, Brewing over on UG Street as well as Catawba Brewing Company um, in North Carolina and that's owned by the uh, the Pyatt family and they have recently decided to introduce Twisp. Um, what does it mean? I don't know. Um, it's sounds refreshing i guess uh sort of maybe um it's right now it is a line of just three hard seltzers um there's a moscow mule there's a spritz and there's a paloma Um, these are not cocktails these are again malt beverages but they're cocktail inspired um, beverages and so they're going to be positioned sort of like cocktail alternatives
0: right (laughs) there's a big (laughs) breath in you have a lot of thoughts I I just I mean I think when something's imitating something which is imitating something else I'd rather just go with the real thing but I understand there's you know economic reasons and legal reasons why they're not yeah you can't
1: you can't very easily I mean the margins are very tough on craft cocktails like actual hard liquor cocktails because of those taxes and and a couple other reasons but um but yeah, no. So if you can capture close to that price point with a beverage that's, um, you know, made sure. by fermenting malted grain, you are going to capture a huge margin. Mm-hmm. And just to take a step back, like everyone's familiar with Smirnoff Ice or many people are, uh, Mike's Hard Lemonade, um, things like this. Those are malt beverages, mm-hmm. um, malternative, whatever you want to call them. Um, it's a holy grail that brewers have been and, and brewing corporations have been chasing for a long time. It's sort of like the brewing world's version of like alchemy, spinning mm-hmm. lead into gold. If you can sell
0: right. Smart.
1: something brewed with like in the same way as beer on the same equipment mm. as beer, tax
0: the way the beer is taxed. tax the way beer is
1: taxed, <laughs> yep. distributed the way beer is distributed, but you can sell it for close to liquor right. price points. Yep, you're you're effectively printing money. Right. Um, and that's part of the reason why the hard seltzer business in the U.S. Uh, is uh, has been a runaway success, not just from like a cultural popularity standpoint, but also from a financial standpoint. Um, we're looking at, in August 2019, the uh, year-to-date sales were up about 200% over last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking at about like over a billion in sales this year. It's projected to be like 2.5 billion in the next couple of years Um, by 2021, excuse me. So two years from now. Um, So, that's where all that money's coming from. Right, 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 um it's right. because the margins are very strong. Right. Um and there's no real shelf life on these products. There's not nearly the freshness concern there would be with uh, with craft beer. Yep. Um it it looks really good on paper.
0: Right, right, right. What about uh, in real life? So does Twisp exist yet? Is this something anyone has tasted?
1: Yeah, so I actually I have not tasted Twisp yet. I wish uh, I wish I was able to, but I haven't gotten my hands on it yet. But yeah, that's so all those reasons are why Billy Pyatt, who's a very smart guy, wants to get, you know, a piece of that market. Um, They've been in the business for 20 years and they've been, um, you know, building their brand. And then they acquired Palmetto in December 2017. Um, And he's, you know, he told me, he's like, we're not stupid. Like, we can see what's going on here. And like, we need to make this call um, and, and get it, get a piece of this market. So I have not tasted Twist yet. He is leaning hard into it. He says they're fully behind this product. They're moving production to the Palmetto factory on UG Street. Mm-hmm. Um, they're refitting that factory with like an additional $500,000 approximately five hundred thousand uh, worth of additional investment after the million that he says he put into it after acquiring the brand. Um, that's their second biggest facility. So like they intend to do Twisp with... Like at the biggest volume they can Basically and he says that's an indication That like this is for real This isn't just them chasing a fad Like they, he's crunched the numbers He thinks that this is where his business is going um, In the future Now it will all depend on whether it tastes Any good and whether people want To drink it I mean you can't there, there's a conversation in the beer market a lot about push and pull. Like, you can push a product all you want, but unless people want it and are pulling it, you know, and demanding it, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, we'll see what happens with Twisp. I know that there was some chatter in the local community about, um, about the brand. Some people weren't happy with the fact that, um, you know, the oldest brewery in South Carolina was now going to be housing um, the production of a, uh, of a hard seltzer, which is perceived by some craft beer purists as lesser than. Um, we'll see what the broader market does. I mean, Palmetto and Catawba are distributed in five states across the Southeast. So winning Charleston, while very important, um, is not the whole ball game mm-hmm. for Billy Pyatt. Um, and he knows that. And he, he, I think, is genuine when he says he wants people in Charleston to want this beverage. But like, He's also smart enough to understand that like the play here is is to distribute this stuff and to, and to capture some of that market across the southeast. and it remains to be seen whether they'll be able to do it. Packaging's nice though. I don't know. have oh, you cool. seen no, it yet no. I don't or think no? I've seen it. What does it look like? Yeah, it's like the slim cans that mm-hmm. like they, you know, White Claw comes in, but they they're much more colorful the twist cans and they're going to come in uh come in 12 packs. So, um
0: mixed variety. Yeah, yeah. I think it's
1: just a mix. He yeah. he was saying that that's sort of like when they were looking at the IRI scan data, IRI is like a market research mm-hmm. company. Um they the mixed packs are just, like, that's what everyone buys, and so. That's interesting.
0: Is that because people have a short attention span, or because they're always drinking in a group?
1: I think it's probably because they're always drinking in a group, have a short attention. I think it's a combination of those factors, plus, like, I don't think anyone really cares. Like, it all <laughs> sort of just tastes, it's good. Like, none of it's, like, bad or challenging. It's all very approachable, right. and, like, there's nothing like, oh, I can't get this variety pack, because it has, like, four double IPAs, and, like, none of my buddies are going to drink these double IPA Like,
0: Right, and and that's sort of ultimately the complaint of some of the craft brewers, right? Or at least the concern that there isn't really any individuality or personality to this product that's supposed to be fairly consistent and.
1: Yeah, it's extremely anodyne compared to yeah. like the long romantic history of craft beer in this country. Um, you know, the craft beer revolution was sort of styled as you know, this is craft versus commodity. This yep. is us fighting back against the corporations. This is us reinvigorating or or resurrecting old traditions that have been you know, disappear, that have been discarded over the years. There's none of that backstory with hard seltzer. it's No,
0: and the big companies didn't make it up either. It wasn't one where they were like, oh, this comes from a little place. No. Right, it's always just been big beverage.
1: It was like literally like uh, one of the most mainstream, in fact, like the when craft hard seltzer, or excuse me, when hard seltzer hit the mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, it was because a brand in Connecticut called Spike Seltzer, which is now called Bon and Viv Spike Seltzer. Um, you've you've probably seen it. It's and the one a with, with the mermaids. Over yeah, yeah. yeah. You've, you've, uh, it's it's out there. Um, but in 2012, these two like dudes in Connecticut were hanging out at a bar and like we're watching women order vodka sodas. Oh. And realized there was this huge, like, opportunity that wasn't being met in the in the beverage space for low calorie, um, you know, gluten free, uh, uh, perceived better for you, beverages. And so they invented spite Seltzer. That was it. And then That's two, amazing. and then four years later, they sold it to Anheuser Busch InBev, which is the biggest Incredible. beer company in the world. So there was never like any, you know, sort of legend oh, right. uh, or, or ideology around this product. It it's a product to serve a need and it was immediately and to make money. Commercialized yeah. exactly. So there's no stigma around that. Right. And that I think is really interesting uh, as you see and this is what we you know what I what I wrote about in the piece a little bit was you know as you see craft beer change with with growth slowing in the craft beer industry um and people frankly just being less interested in drinking craft beer all the time the way they were a couple years ago. Um, you know, craft brewers are having to interrogate, like, some of their assumptions about, like, the fundamental significance and importance of their product. Um, I think there's – there has been – we've talked about this here on The Winnow before. Um, there's – there are a lot of brewers who, who believe that there's something innately – important about craft beer and that it stands for something and that um their independence and their resistance to outside investment or acquisition is significant to the consumer hard seltzers are real like fly in the ointment with regards to that hypothesis like it shows that like the next generation of drinkers like maybe doesn't Mm -hmm. give a shit right and that's a scary thought for people who have stacked their, their chips behind, you know, the cult of craft. Um And so I think some of that stigma towards it among some brewers is maybe a little bit of concern. Fear. As Yeah, as well. It's like yeah. not only do we not think that this is what we stand for, but, like, we really hope it's not what we're going <laughs> right. to have to stand for because otherwise right. we've made some really m- big miscalculations. Right. That's really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, you know— I'm excited to see how it does in the Low Country. I mean, I've had um, Baker Brewer has has Holy City, you know, uh, brewers behind it, and they have a hard seltzer called the Local, and it's a grapefruit hard seltzer, and I've had it. It's good. Um, mm-hmm. I have no no qualms about it. It's exactly as advertised. Um, Chris Brown told me that it. Uh, it has been selling all right. It's not going gangbusters. He said they don't really expect it to. Like they just want it to be there as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people will take to it. I, I'm. Twist is the big question mark here, right? Because Twisp is the one that's competing directly with, um, or will compete more directly in grocery stores and right. and uh, and you know beer stores with, um, with the big national brands. And the question there will be. Does anyone want craft White Claw? Right. Like, does anyone want a craft Truly version, or, or is that customer so okay with mainstream, mass-produced, commodified beverage that like the value proposition of a craft version of the beverage um, is just completely lost on them? We'll see. I'm, and when will we out. see?
0: When is this going to become available?
1: So they're brewing a batch. They're brewing one more batch of Twisp in Charlotte, North Carolina, at, at Catawba's facility there. And then they're stripping down the canning line that they have there and moving it to Palmetto, where it will be permanently. Got it. So there's one batch that's going out right now, and it will like the stuff that they're making right now will hit markets, presumably, in the next month or so. Cool. Um, and then by early 2020, um, the Palmetto uh, plant will be up and running. At that point, um, it will be they will be producing Twisp uh, ongoing. So at the very latest, you should expect to see it by early 2020 uh, if the initial timeline holds. Um, but they already had a launch party for it. Uh, yeah, the other weekend at Palmetto. Mm-hmm. Um I was not able to attend, but it sounded like it was fun. So like the can like the product is out it's there. Out there. Yeah, yeah, it's just that as it, as they produce more of it, it'll be more widely distributed and gotcha. and then we'll get to see what it actually does.
0: Cool. Well, you'll have to report back. The fizzbids. <laughs>
1: That's my I tried to work that into the story, but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't make it. it.
0: Could have been the headline. Yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Dave, once again, I hope you'll report back on any more developments in the hard seltzer uh, industry. I imagine there'll be many.
1: Bubble trouble. That there was we go. another oh, one that I want. Yeah, sorry. I was holding you, on to so that Why one.
0: did you save all these? I don't know.
1: I regret everything.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, um, until next time, I'm Hannah Raskin. You can email me at uh, hraskin at
1: My name is Dave Infante. You can email me at dinfante at And by the way, buy a, buy a digital subscription if you like what we do here. Go to postincur.com. You'll see that big orange button in the right-hand corner. Smash that button. Buy a digital subscription. Uh, support the work. Not only uh, Hannah does, and I do, but also every journalist here at The Post and, and uh And we'll be glad you did, and I think you will be too. And that's all for this episode of The Winnow. The Winnow is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston, South Carolina. It was edited and directed by me. I'm J. Parker. See y'all later.